Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. I've uh, I've rolled my 20-sided die for a successful podcast. And uh, wait, I do have one here. Let's see how it goes. All right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, 10. That's not too bad. I mean, I feel bad for the patrons. Average. <laughs> average. Sorry, folks. This episode is going to be average. Um, wait, I'll use inspiration. 13, not too shabby. This is a very oh, heavy oh, dice. It it's is. probably coming through like, <laughs> like a mining or something. Yeah, 13. That's okay, That's, that way they know that you're actually rolling something and we're not it's just true. making this up. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should have used guidance, but um, I don't have shadow part, shadow part, shadow heart in my party. So uh, <laughs> as of right now, it's just me in the house. I do have, I actually, Zoe's here, but she's sleeping, so. Anyways, 13 will have to do, folks. Yep. <laughs> well, I do have Shadowheart in my party and do use Guidance and still fail most of my rolls. So <laughs> I have had not the best start to my Baldur's Gate playthrough, which is uh, what we are talking about today. Um, so, I mean, I guess we can just jump right into it. Um, I, okay, I think the game is very pretty. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> it runs well on your PC. It's a very, uh, it's a very good version of the game. It it runs on a lot of different hardware, so that's good. Yeah. So I'm playing on PC, but I'm playing with a controller, and because okay, this <laughs> is a little bit embarrassing, but um, my belly is too big. I can't sit at my PC for an extended period of time, like up at a keyboard and mouse. So I have like a recliner armchair and I'm playing with a controller because I, I my belly's too huge now. No, that's but so, you you are yeah. due in like a month, right? So yeah, we're having the less than a month now. Yes, <laughs> so, of course. Yeah, it is it is coming very very quickly. So uh, anyways, um, I am playing on PC, but I'm playing with a controller, and I do think that playing with a keyboard and mouse would improve my experience. The controller's not bad uh but it's just uh i find a lot of the um like aiming or not even necessarily like aiming but um interactions in the room like there are so many things that you can interact with in any given room all the way down to like every single table and chair and bookshelf and and, and like candle on the wall or the floor like everything not everything everything but most things are interactable which means like trying to use a joystick to tell the computer what exactly it is that I want to interact with is like maddening sometimes. <laughs> so you can like highlight something in the room and then it tends to like group objects and then you can use the, the D-pad to go like back and forth between objects sometimes. But it's just like if I had a mouse, I could put the mouse on the thing I want to click, <laughs> right? So... Like, again, it's not that the the controls are, like, poorly mapped or anything like that. It's just, like, because you're using a controller, those, there's those other couple of steps that make it a little bit frustrating sometimes. Because I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't want to turn that candle off for the 18th time. I wanted to click on the bookshelf behind it, you know? So, yeah, that I'm finding a little frustrating. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I believe there's, like, a proximity when you're... I played a little bit with controller just testing Baldur's Gate 3 on my Steam Deck and then having a controller sort of active and there's a bit of a proximity and you can kind of like 
move between targets. And you're right. Yeah. Everything's interactable. So there's a struggle there for sure. Well, I mean, like uh, there's a struggle in that like a little bit more. It's just a couple more steps, right? Than than if I just had a mouse and keyboard. So I've I've definitely noticed that in terms of like combat with the controller, it's fine. Um, I but I literally had to have Matt like standing over my shoulder, and this has been my big struggle with the game because like I'm sure I, I know a lot of people are absolutely loving their time in Baldur's Gate three. And I can see why that's happening. But as someone who has zero, and I mean like zero (laughs) understanding of Dungeons and Dragons, I don't think I've ever sat down to a video game that has had such a steep learning curve. Because like you have not only like the character creation, but then when you get into combat, you have like, uh, it's either three or four Um, like radial wheels that are almost full of things that you can do. (laughs) I'm just like, it is super overwhelming. I didn't understand the concept of like resting to get your spells back and stuff. Um, I didn't understand that like certain actions like can be either a normal one or a bonus one because like I'm a rogue. So I have dash and I think everybody has dash but then as a rogue, I have a cunning action that's also dash. And I'm like, okay, but what's the difference? And one's green and one's orange. And the difference is like one can be a bonus. So like I could do another green thing and then also still dash because it's orange. Like, and it just, it's such a steep learning curve for me that I got so like frustrated and had to have Matt like so my husband is a he's been like the DM of multiple campaigns he plays Dungeons and Dragons with his group of friends every week like he is really into that game in that universe so like he had to stand over my shoulder and be like okay this means this then you do this and I enabled the tutorials at the beginning because it like warned me it's like because I'm, I'm playing on my husband's copy of the game and uh it warned me it was like okay you've already played like 80 hours like do you you know want the tutorials I'm like yes give me tutorials but it's like I think I've had two or three tutorial windows pop up and it's just like this is where your actions are good luck (laughs) so I uh I ended up uh, not saving often enough so I had to go back through a whole entire dungeon area again um, and then I didn't understand the concept of resting. So like, I was like healing my people and I'm like, okay, everything's going great. And then I'm like, why can't I use my heal spell anymore? <laughs> Cause I guess you get three and that's it. So, and then I'm like, okay, we are almost dead. I know that there's a boss fight behind this door. Um, I have no spells left. <laughs> what the fuck am I supposed to do? So yeah, it's been a really, really, really frustrating few hours as someone with zero D and D knowledge. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's definitely like a, a learning curve uh in the game. And I remember when I first booted it up, I was like, I, I've played Dungeons and Dragons before, but don't have that like understanding that's kind of stuck around so like it was all new to me as well but i did remember you know main action and bonus action i think that really stuck with me from from my time in D. so like that's a first sort of hurdle because in normal rpgs you get one 
main action and that's it. But in this one, you get like a main action and a bonus. And then you can sometimes eventually, once you get powerful enough, make some extra attacks. So, but the resting stuff, I had to learn that as well. And I think like we're kind of been trained when it comes to playing these games that um, our brain tries to think like, well, wait, if I'm in the middle of a dungeon and I'm about to fight, fight a boss and I long rest outside the boss's den, am I not going to be penalized in any way? And really you're not like the game wants you to long rest. The game wants you to short rest uh, as, as much as you want. I had a, a kind of basic idea of like thinking that I had to to go somewhere or like establish a camp or something because mm-hmm. so basically what happened and what happens in the game um, slight spoilers I guess for the first like well the first like three hours of my playthrough but I'm sure the first hour of any normal person's playthrough um, you're basically having to like escape this like alien ship thing. Then you crash land and then it kind of seems like the game is very much trying to introduce you to the kind of environments you're going to be in. So like you crash land, there's only one path from where you fall to, you know, where the rest of everything is. So you kind of follow that path. One of your companions is on that path. So it's like, hey, you can do this with a group. And then there's a dungeon right in front of you. It's like, hey, you can go through dungeons and kill bad things and, you know, step in traps and stuff. And then there's a town right past that. And it's like, hey, guess what? (laughs) There's towns and vendors and things in this game. So I was assuming that I had to, like, work my way through this kind of uh, tutorial type area in order to, like, establish a home base of some kind. Like, I thought I needed to make a campfire or, you know, find an inn or do something that was like player housing adjacent, you know, like I I thought that I was, um, I guess, missing something or hadn't unlocked something yet when the whole time it was just in like the radial menu where like my character sheet, which is your inventory, uh, but where my character sheet was. So I was like, which also, again, took me a long time because I was like, I'm picking up all this stuff. It's telling me I'm encumbered. So I've picked up too much stuff. I'm like, where the hell is my inventory? And it's not called inventory. It's called your character sheet because Dungeons and Dragons thing. And I'm trying not to be too frustrated, but like, oh, my God, (laughs) just like not knowing the vernacular in the game and what everything is called and what you have to do is so, so difficult. Um, But anyways, yeah, and you have the option. And then it's like, you can long rest or short rest. And I'm like, the fuck is the difference? (laughs) So I'm like, well, I don't know, short. (laughs) I don't have very much health. I've got like 30 health or something. How long could that possibly take to get back? I'll just do a short one, I guess. And then so I got health back. And none of my spells. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm so confused. <laughs> so yeah, I'm uh I am a struggle bus <laughs> in yeah. Baldur's State 3. <laughs> well, the the beauty of these issues is that really like once you've kind of gotten over those hurdles, you uh you you can move on to the to the next part of hopefully enjoying the game. Uh I think that <laughs> the long rest stuff, like I think was one of those things where they really tried to establish early on when the game was coming out that long rests are meant to be done as often as you need to. You're constantly finding. This is the weird thing I was saying earlier is that 
they have these camp supplies for long rests. And, you know, they are a resource that you find throughout the game. I've never run out of them. However, to the player, it is that common trope of like, well, I'm going to need all these potions eventually. And I do have... (laughs) And then you finish the game and you have three stacks of 99 potions in each stack. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely do have a whole separate inventory of potions that I will, quote unquote, eventually use on the strongest boss. Haven't touched them yet (laughs) outside of the occasional healing potion. But that's the thing is like, I really wish they would remove the camp supplies as like a as like a feature, because I think it teaches you to be like, no, 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 I can't long rest just yet. Um, but long rest, not only does it reset your spell slots, uh, because, which is key, because if you go, if you just do a big battle, even if you have all your short rests left, you're not going to be replenishing those spell slots, which are, again, key for for a lot of the larger battles and some of the smaller ones, too, depending on how you've how you've set up the encounter. Uh, but the long rest is also critical for progressing the story between yourself and, and your companions. Uh, which I found to be the most interesting part of the game, which is your interactions with, you know, your friends and and the world for that matter. So like, well, and that was another thing. So I've done a long rest now and I didn't realize that (laughs) when you like go back to camp that you don't rest. First of all, I didn't know I had a camp. So that was, that was a little jarring because it just kind of like black screen. And then it's like, Hey, you're in a camp now. And I'm like, okay, where am I? How do I get back to where I was, which is right before a boss fight? Um, and then, so anyways, I, I didn't realize that I hadn't rested yet. I thought when I hit the long rest button that it would long rest me. So then I was like, went back, figured out how to get out of the camp, went back to the boss fight thingy, and then didn't have any spells. <laughs> because you actually like have to go and lay down or something i didn't realize it was meant to be like this is where you go and talk to everybody this is when you know blah 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 whatever happens so i didn't realize that like camp was like its own thing (laughs) so yeah anyways (laughs) then i went into the boss fight again and died again because i had no spells again (laughs) yeah did you game man (laughs) i hesitate to ask uh did you (laughs) did you eventually finish this boss fight that we that was the Um, hurdle okay actually i so i wanted to to kind of run this by you because i did but i'm pretty sure the game took pity on me (laughs) because when i originally went into the boss fight there was it's a bunch of bandits and there was like one main bandit goblin guy um, I think he was a goblin guy. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. There's one main bandit guy. And I could have sworn he had like over 30 hit points. And then there was like, there was a mage and a fighter guy and an archer guy. So there was four of them all together. And they all had like, I want to say all the minions had somewhere between like 15 and 20 health. And then there's the main guy who had over 30 And I made it through, like, I think I managed to kill the mage once, (laughs) who was the squishiest of all of them. Um, But anyways, then when I went in this, the time that I quote unquote won, the main guy had 14 hit points and everybody else had like seven. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that the game just went, wow, she really can't do this and doesn't understand what's happening. We need to cut this fight in half. Yeah, I don't know. Does it do uh, that? <laughs> Does don't... anyone else get like pity timer to buy Baldur's Gate? 
I don't think so. <laughs> I feel so pathetic, honestly. <laughs> and and here's the thing. There are honestly a lot of options to talk your way out of having to fight. You oh, know, I tried. I tried okay. to t- every single time I walked through that door, I tried a different option. Every time I rolled a two or a three, even okay. with the like the guidance thing, because I, I used that spell because I've got ponytail girl with me. And Shout so I use yeah. that. Yeah, it's like you rolled a two plus guidance means you get six. They need 10. I'm like, oh, my God, 10 is such a low bar to clear. And I haven't <laughs> been able to clear it yet. You say that and we nearly didn't clear it at the For top this of the episode, show. That's true. Yeah. So it was a close one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that uh, and you and just for the record, we talked about this pre-show, but um, you're playing on like story difficulty, which honestly, I yes. I, <laughs> I thought about doing as well, because uh, the, the combat, the combat is difficult. Um, and the only way I've been able to kind of like progress as far as I have into act two is is twofold is, is that um, I've been getting assistance from the discord when I have a question, I pop it in there. They tell me how to do it because like, I'm like. I want to enjoy the game. I don't want to hit constant hurdles. Uh, I just want to know, like, how do I make uh, Shadowheart good? It's like, okay, use these few spells and 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 try that out and let us know. They give me homework. And <laughs> other times, I'm like, I'm struggling with this boss fight. How do I? How how am I supposed to fight a boss and his ten minions that all rush me as soon as I walk into the room? And like, well, have you tried talking to this person or have you tried talking to that person? And there's always an angle because of the way the game is set up from a from a story standpoint. You are both good. You can be good and bad. But because Mm -hmm. of the, you know, mind flare infection and the main bad guys being the mind flare cult or whatever, you you can easily infiltrate the bad guys right away. Like there's a portion you're going to come up against after the druid camp involving um the the goblin camp and you'd think oh great i'm gonna have to fight through this entire camp but no like you can walk up there and just have a conversation with them and say like yep i'm with you guys and they they believe you because they can sense the fact that you have uh, a tad the worm in your your brain brain. yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so i really appreciate that the game is set up that way because it allows you to talk yourself out of a lot of conflicts but eventually you you do have to fight and you do have to um progress uh through combat yeah i basically i put it on story difficulty because i knew that the combat was going to be the least interesting part of the game to me like i know a lot of people really enjoy combat i know like a particularly like my husband's group of friends very very rarely have a session that doesn't revolve around just combat but I like trying to navigate through conversations. So like that's the part that I find really, really cool and interesting. So like if I can avoid a fight by talking to somebody, I'd rather do that. So in the instances where I do get into combat, I kind of want that, especially since like it's turn based. I'm not a huge fan of turn based combat, just period. Like if I could just run into a room and have it be like real time combat, I would be much more down for for difficult real time combat. But I don't want a battle, a turn-based battle, to take, like, 20 minutes. It's too long for me, personally. Um, There's a point right before you get actually into the druid camp where you're kind of, like, fighting some goblins at the gates. And I think there's, like, between you and your companion, the three good guys that are fighting at the gate. And then there's, I think, like, five or six goblins or something. 
Like, I'm like, can we just speed through these turns that aren't mine? I don't care what happens. <laughs> and no. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to... Um, yeah, I'm not like a... Because I think um, XCOM is the same sort of thing is why, like, I don't really find XCOM that interesting. Like, I just I don't like sitting and waiting. <laughs> so, which is funny because I love civilization. That's fine. Um, but I just, like, when I'm when I'm doing, like you know, roguey style combat. I just want to run up and stab people and run away. Like, <laughs> and then, so when I go and do my stabby move and then I have to like, wait a minute while everything else resolves, I'm like, okay, I'm bored now. <laughs> so I didn't want to, uh, not artificially inflate that combat difficulty, but the faster I can get through those moments, the more enjoyment I'm going to get from the game. Yeah. It's not that I can't do it. It's that I don't enjoy that style of combat period no and and i i will agree with you in the sense that the combat is not my uh is not my favorite part of the game either like it's not that i you know despise it uh i also feel the same way like in terms of turn-based combat i don't mind turn-based combat as long as like the enemy uh ai and the enemy turns respect my time like you know going all the way mm, back yeah you're you a computer know. you don't need to take a minute to think <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean their decisions have been there there are moments where the i'm sure the the game has to sort it with the player or the enemy's going to do but this goes all the way back to like you know mario party 64 where it's like i'm playing mario party me and my brother and there's two C- cpus i don't want to watch the cpu take a turn it took yeah. nintendo <laughs> 25 years to figure that out Uh, whereas now with Mario party games, like it, it will fast forward and or skip the CPU turns and you have that option. But, uh, yeah, XCOM has, you know, you can push a, push a button and, and skip through the enemy turn. And it just, obviously there's, there's a moment where you have to like, kind of let your brain catch up to what's happened. And maybe Baldur's Gate three is just too complex a system to allow for a, push a button (laughs) yeah skip or a fast forward like there isn't even from what i've seen there isn't even a fast forward option and i would appreciate that because like i don't i don't want i kind of want to know i want to know what the enemy did but i don't want to watch every single little thing happen Mm -hmm. um especially with all fights like maybe boss fights sure i may want to see everything but when i'm you know having my third or fourth encounter with you know there aren't a lot of like random encounters like a lot of most encounters are are crafted in a way to deal with story or or even side quests but there are battles where it's like okay i'm fighting these uh gnolls or um a couple straggler stragglers from the goblin camp like i don't need to see every single uh portion of this this fight so I, i feel you there for sure and I think I I certainly contemplated switching it to story mode because, like I said, I, I the combat is not is not my favorite part of the game, but I've really enjoyed finding ways to uh, to make the combat easier, um, mm-hmm. even just by again, like because there's always someone to talk to. Like if you're struggling with a boss fight, chances are there's someone nearby that you can talk to to be like convince them to help you out or convince them to to turn on their boss or whatever and um there's always a scenario to uh to make things a little easier but then i say that but then in the goblin camp which you're going to come into next it uh 
there are ways to deal with two of the three things you have to do uh, with clever tricks or making it super easy, like luring one of the bosses into a room and then just having to fight them. But there is still one boss that's like, it's him in a room with 10 other dudes. So like, you're going to have to fight, um, unfortunately, you know, and that's a struggle. That's a struggle sometimes, especially when the combat, it is very complex. Like it's, it's, it's a complex thing. And I'm worried, honestly, I'm worried that come, you know, the end of act two or, or act three, like I'm kind of thinking to myself, like maybe I just got incredibly lucky (laughs) moving through, uh, act one and the beginning of act two. Like, I feel like I'm going to hit a wall. (laughs) Um, although they do say like the more you play, the stronger your characters get so strong, like D and D, like the higher level you get, like once you get to max level or near max level, it's just, it's like game breaking, you know, in terms of your powers. So we'll see that hasn't happened yet. The game still very much doesn't break for me while I'm uh, in combat. Um, but my favorite thing has really been, you know, the characters and the conversations. And I know we were talking pre-show you're you don't have all the companions yet. And, you know, first thing in the game, you can recruit, uh, I think you, you, you can recruit all, if not most of them at the very beginning, you just have to find them on the map. I was going to say, I think I found, uh, or at least because again, Matt's been playing quite a lot. So, um, like I've, I've vicariously lived some of the story through him, or at least like seen his party, recognize some names and stuff. So, I think I saw, uh, I think there's like a, a will or something or yeah. will with a Y. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've seen him now. I have girl with a ponytail. She was on the alien ship with me. Shadow heart. You saved her. Yeah. She's, That's very yeah good I, I found her on the beach. Yeah. And, and didn't murder her and, and saved her from her pod thing and everything else. So we're, we're buds. Um, but then, and I wasn't sure like, and again, because I'm I'm not long resting or or whatever very often or at all. I've done it once now. <laughs> once I've done I've done it once and poorly. So um, I I didn't know or I guess at that point I hadn't found her in the wilderness yet. But I don't know if she's back at camp. But I had this like really weird interaction, like glitchy kind of thing, and I don't know if it was time based or position based. But basically, I found the other girl who tried to kill me on the alien ship and then decided not to. And we're friends now. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So she was being held in a cage by these two like red horned people. Tieflings. Yeah. There you go. Uh, And so I went through a conversation with them and got that like intimidated them enough to go away, (laughs) which I'm so I'm playing as a little halfling rogue. (laughs) And I've got like pink hair <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> be intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And, and that was one time I did roll high. And so it worked. <laughs> and anyways, so they ran away and I was left with this companion in this cage. And then it was like, it gave me a, a quest or a, like a goal, a journal entry to save her. And I was like, okay, cool. So I tried shooting the rope that was holding the cage that didn't work because oh my god aiming is so difficult on a controller but anyways that didn't work i tried to shoot down the gate that was like at the bottom of the cage like a trap door sort of thing that didn't work uh so then i tried to see like i ran 
up a path behind the cage to try to see if I could get like there, if I could get up behind or whatever. And I couldn't, there was like this like big hill mountain thing I couldn't get past. So I was like, okay. And then when I was up on the path behind her, I got a like a completion on that quest or journal entry or whatever. And it said, you know, like save Lizelle check. I was like, okay, but I didn't do anything. And then, so I went running back down the path and the cage was gone. She was gone. Every like, she's not in my game. <laughs> so I was like, um, I definitely didn't do anything. She was in the cage a second ago. There was no dialogue. There was no nothing. She just poof gone. So I don't know where she is, but I definitely didn't save her. So if she's part of the story and supposed to be my companion. I might have just totally screwed my entire playthrough. I have no idea. <laughs> uh and i and i went and i continued on because i was just like okay that was weird at least i still have ponytail girl with me so ponytail girl and i went running up to the druid camp and had a whole bunch of conversations in there and whatever and then yeah and then i finished my my playthrough for the night and i was like huh maybe i should have like retried <laughs> like reloaded that save or something but anyways i haven't seen her since Somebody saved her, I guess. Maybe she saved herself, <laughs> but I have no idea if I have a companion or not in her. <laughs> it sounds like, and this is the other thing. Um, and I know a lot of, I, I talked to Crofton about this uh, when playing Baldur's Gate 3. Like, again, I'm going to play through it once. That's my goal. I feel like that's a lofty goal considering it is a very large game. Uh, so I want my playthrough to be my best playthrough. I, I, I think it is very... It's not a good chance I'm going to play it twice anytime soon. So I'm thinking so I'm thinking of putting myself in your shoes for this situation. And uh, honestly, I would I would Google it. I would just say like, OK, because <laughs> at the end of the day, like at the end of the day, uh, Lazelle is a main character in the game. She is very critical to your party. Um, you will get another sort of melee focused character, you know, in that same area, Karlak. However, like it's not just about the combat. It's about the story. And she has a lot of story. If she's gone, then you're losing out on what I think is a, probably the best chunk of the game, which is the story. So yeah, I would Google it and I would look it up. It's like, Hey, I, uh, how to recruit Lazelle after she escapes from the cage. It does sound like she is able to sort of like get out of the cage and it's a time thing. Uh, and there is a second chance, uh, to get her if you fail to recruit when she's in the cage. So but yeah, this was what would have been one of those scenarios where I was like, okay, Google it. And then like, oh, reload my save because that didn't go my way. Again, <laughs> oh yeah, it did not feel like it went well. <laughs> no. And Lazelle's a main character. Like anybody saying like, no, Jocelyn, you failed that moment. So you have to live with it for your hundred hour playthrough. Like assuming you end up like, you know, going through the rest of the game to go through the rest of the game, missing a main character to me would be a flawed experience. And it's not the game's fault. It's not your fault. It's just one of those things where like, of course you're going to reload. I wonder if this is one of those um, like horror games that we play like Until Dawn or whatever, where any character could potentially die. Like any character could potentially not be recruited to your team. So <laughs> maybe I just, you know, maybe there's some other character that I'm going to recruit. Maybe it's the Ponytail Girl who I already have. I, I think we're bros. I think we're okay. I think we're we're friends now. So, you know, I don't think she's going to abandon me, but maybe she will. Maybe she'll see how I treat my other companions and be like, mm, I'm going to go. 
But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe she steps into that role. Like, I have no idea. So, isn't the no. whole point of of D anD D that <laughs> anything can happen? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, anything can happen D anD D because you have a living, breathing person that is DMing, right? Like, um, but in this game, you have a set amount of parameters. This is this is a game. It's been programmed. Like, uh, there are many yes. parameters. <laughs> But there, there is a but set number finite. of players. <laughs> yeah, so I guess like in this case, because you didn't recruit her at the cage, uh, she goes on to the next logical step. Because again, like at the beginning of the game, the main focus is like, how do we get these tadpoles out of our brains? Because yeah. we are going to turn into mind flayers like right away. Um, yeah, Shadowheart keeps yelling at me like, why are we doing anything else? Don't you know you have a worm in your brain? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Leave me alone. Yeah. I have to kill these bandits. <laughs> exactly. And eventually the game, you know, eases off on that. But in this case, like, you know, Lazel has probably already mentioned, like, my people are the only one that can fix this. So logically, the next step to find her is, um, I guess, at the mountain pass where uh, where where the rest of uh where she was going to meet the crash or whatever. And um, the Gith Yankee uh, soldiers are there. So again, you're going to have another opportunity to talk your way through uh, a recruitment. Um, so hopefully that goes well, but like, yeah, <laughs> the game gives I you roll options. a one <laughs> and then a two. <laughs> and that's where you quick save before the So quick save before conversations, quick save I before battles. Like, I feel like that's cheating though. A little bit like his, <laughs> I mean, well, okay. Let me put it this way. What is the point of a dice rolling mechanic if you have infinite, like infinite dice rolls? Then mm-hmm. it might as well not be there. It might as well just be conversations you can't fail. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I do. And maybe I get that's it. just my like playthrough style versus your playthrough style. But I just like, and and it's probably too harsh to call it cheating. But I just like if you can never fail, what's the point of a fail mechanic? You know? Yeah. But yeah, and you know, you're not wrong. And I I think like if you're quick saving and quick loading for every little thing, like that's it's it yeah, you could say it's cheating, but honestly what it comes down to is like you're not respecting your own time at that stage, right? Like you're you're reloading for every every single dice throw. Um but for me, I I'm not it's not fun when the game punishes you in a critical moment for for dice rolls. So so in that case, like I am totally fine quick saving and quick loading when like the game's like, oh, you didn't roll um, a five. So your your party member dies like there. But there was another moment in my game where I was describing what I did in the discord. And they're like, wait, did your character die? And I was like, no, she's fine. Um, But there was a (laughs) moment where like she was in a, you know, machine. Lazelle was in a machine that was like clearly killing her. And I had to like progress through the story and ro- do dice rolls and like it was they were high dice rolls they were like you had to get 23 so you, obviously you needed to have like a lot of modifiers extra bonus and modifiers yes and i kept failing in that case it was like well i'm not gonna quick load here like nothing bad happened you know nothing great happened but <laughs> it worked out so again like you're not gonna need to quick load every dice roll because honestly like Unless unless you pick the antagonistic sort of approach um, or or do something silly, like if you try to steal something, then the guards come over and is like, hey, I saw you steal that. 
And there is a dice roll. Oh, I tried to loot a friendly body in front of the druid camp and they were not happy. (laughs) Exactly. So they come up to you, they talk to you and say, hey, I saw you do that bad thing. And you can the narrator will say you try to talk your way out of it. In that case, you did a you did a a silly thing. They might take you to prison. You pay the you pay the fine or whatever. um, And you and you can sort of deal with it. But like, yeah, like it's hard. Everyone at home, half the folks are assuming like, Ryan quick saves and quick loads for everything. He's a cheater. And the other half are like understanding of like, yeah, he probably only does it when things go really, really bad. And that's where I'm at. Like I have the oh shit button. That's what I, I don't call it quick save and mm. quick load. I call it quick save and oh shit. I screwed up, <laughs> you know? And I think that's again, like I'm going to play this once. I don't want to have to like, oh, you know what? On my next playthrough, I'm going to do this sort of storyline. So I see this, this, and this. Like, no, like that doesn't exist. I am going through the way I want to play and I'm enjoying myself. And occasionally I will hit that. Oh shit button. <laughs> like if all my characters, there's a moment in the second or at the end of the first act where you're underground. And there are a lot of these like chasms. And then there's also a lot of enemies that will randomly do attacks that cause shockwave damage and then knock you into the chasm and you die. Well, like I'm going to hit the Oh shit button. Like my character just died from a stupid thing. So I'm going to avoid that encounter because like, there's really no point. It's just a random. And again, I don't find the combat very fun. So like, I'm not going to like engage in an optional, optional fight. Even, you know, it's not a, it's not my cup of tea. An optional fight with stupid death mechanics. (laughs) Exactly. So like you hit the oh shit button, you go in a different direction. But yeah, like if you're quick loading on every single dice roll, because you want to get it perfect, you might as well just install a mod that gives you perfect rolls, you know? Um, that may, that'd be much faster, uh, because the loading <laughs> takes time. It tells, like, it punishes you in that way. You're waiting for it to load and you're like, true life decisions. Have I made good <laughs> ones? Um, in this case, uh, Shadowheart fell to her death from a stupid boss fight. So I'm like, okay, we're, we're reloading this. It's fine. So, yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of articles and plenty of discussions about quick saving, quick loading. And it's like, this is not the first game to have that. This is not the first game. Um, This is not Dark Souls. This is not like everything saves every five seconds. Like you, you're, you're allowed to, to use the mechanics. That's why they're there. That's fair. That's fair. So, so overall, my first few hours in Baldur's Gate 3 have been, uh, they've been okay. It's been frustrating, but I find the world interesting, which is what I was really excited to, to kind of journey through anyway. So I'm sure I'll probably stick with it. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, the, oh, the other thing I discovered is that there is a way to turn turn-based stuff off and to go to like real time, but, um, don't do that. <laughs> basically I walked into a room and thought that I had like pushed the wrong button or something to put myself into turn-based mode. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, why isn't this working? And it was because there was an environment turn, which was a whole bunch of fire traps. Which, like, instantly killed my characters because we couldn't, like, move. (laughs) And the whole room basically exploded in fire. So, yeah. (laughs) Turn-based. When it turns it on for you automatically, there's a reason. Don't turn it off. (laughs) It's giving you an opportunity to have your four party members try to disable whatever death trap you just... Exactly. uh... Exactly. And, like, because I even called Matt in and I was like, I'm stuck in a mode (laughs) and I don't know how I did it. And he's like, oh, well, I don't know on the controller. And he's like, but there's a shortcut on the keyboard. I'm like, well, do it. Like, get me out of this. And the whole room just went... 
<laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there are, um, that's a good example of like, there are trap rooms where like the whole thing will just explode. Um, I had a moment where there was uh, a bunch of um, very flammable poison mushrooms and there was a torch that someone left within that area so if you of course. don't yeah of course it's yeah it's what we do uh if you don't progress through that area just perfectly or find a route that avoids you know making the mushrooms uh spew poisonous gas out flammable poisonous gas it, you everything explodes and your computer might even go like what are you doing to me like this game <laughs> needs to stop now uh, you go down to one frame per second. And that's that's a quick load moment, too. That's a no shit moment of like, oh, <laughs> I accidentally brought my whole party in here and they like, you know, diamond formation. <laughs> yeah, they're melting. They're oh, they're oh, they're being poisoned. Oh, now the person I'm trying to save is poisoned. Oh, and that person who I'm trying to save left a torch and now everything is exploding and we're all dead. Um, so, yeah, there are a lot of moments like that and a lot of learning <laughs> moments. And uh I think it I think the quick save and quick load also like allows you to do a bit of trial and error, you know, because it's not just about dice throws. It's also about how do I approach this specific scenario of death? Uh, Do I (laughs) the way I did that moment is like I had one character run in, not completely trigger all the poison and or giant explosion. Uh, And uh, I found out after that, after like. 10 tries is like, oh, there's a ledge I can climb and kind of work my way around the room and jump down strategically. And what do I do with this torch? Oh, well, I'll pick it up. And it's like, no, you turn it off first and then and you just leave it. Because <laughs> you can turn, you know, you can turn candles yeah, and torches yeah. on and off. So like there's those moments you, you, you might try to approach it like a normal sort of, you know, third person action game where it's like, well, I just run through here and hope I, you know, don't die. But really it's like, no, I can use the environment. I can... I can use uh, my ability to interact with everything. Um, I can even use the ability to throw stuff. So the guy wants his pack. So like he wants you to throw the pack. He doesn't want you to loot it. He gets very upset when you do that because okay. he specifically in the pack, he wants the, um, the misty step so he can teleport out of the, out of the danger. So if you try to loot his bag and then hand him what he needs, he gets upset. But if you just grab the bag and use the throw option, you can, you can toss it to him and, and he's able to, to get out. Although he doesn't give you the misty step. He had two of them in there. He was he was not sharing, which was very unfortunate. I had to find a way out of there that didn't kill everybody, but yeah, like it just there's so many of those encounters where it's like, okay, quick save here. Let's try this way. No, that didn't work. And it but yeah, in your case, like where you're at with with Lazel, like that would have been a moment where I was like, okay, let's try this again. Let's hit the oh shit button or, you know, I'll Google it. I'm like, maybe I'm not too worried about it. I'll just make sure I haven't locked myself up. Maybe you went ahead and played another two hours and I'm like, I don't want to do that again. Um, you, you just, yeah, Google it. Don't be afraid to, you know, look at guides, look at, look at suggestions. And honestly, I've found that no matter what scenario I've run into, some website has crafted a specific page to solve that issue. Like this game has been, torn apart for guide purposes and like you just search like how do i do this with this specific encounter and there'll be a guide specific to that just one page no spoilers for anything else it's laid out in a way that's like not gonna ruin the whole game for you um this is a very 
complex game, but also like you've got a lot of folks trying to capture your <laughs> your web traffic to <laughs> to help you uh, in scenarios like this where you lose Lazelle because you didn't. I guess you didn't save her to her uh, liking and she just walked away. I have no idea. It's really odd. So overall, I'm going to have a good time. I just have to get used to it and get past the curve. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, like the issues you're describing are uh, are very early mechanics. Um, and once you kind of and again, like long rests, they don't punish you. Like you're always going to have camp supplies. And I was worried early on, like maybe I won't have enough gold. Um, I've had lots of gold cause I just sell I, I, whatever I don't want. I mark as uh, wares and then you go to a, a trader and you just sell all your wares and like I'm swimming in gold and, um, long rests. There's no punishment unless a quest specifically tells you like you have to do this soon. I had a moment where I long rested. Okay. And then, so like time, time does pass in the game when you're resting. No. It doesn't oh. <laughs> unless there is a specific quest that's like this person like, OK, so there was a moment where a character was trapped behind some rocks with poison gas filtering in okay. made it pretty clear that if I didn't save him or decide not to save him or save the folks in there, they were going to die. Um, and uh, I long rested, not really thinking. And then during that long rest, the person who was trapped in the cave, like mind melded with me and was like, what the hell, dude? Like, I'm dying here. Uh, you better come save me. Like, this is your last chance. And then That's even amazing. when you go, <laughs> you go into the journal and it's like, you better do this now. Like, no more, no more, <laughs> no more time. You know, long resting progresses time, but only for very specific quests. And there's only been one time where I've had it um, specifically mentioned to me, like, look, if you're going to, if you're going to just keep long resting, you got to sort this out now. So in that case, like I had just long rested. I got the cl very clear warning and I was like, okay, let's go deal with this specific scenario and hope we don't have to long rest again before it. So I, there have been very specific, you know, time sensitive quests, but I've only had one, um, the game, like there's a moment where there's a, someone has been taken captive and they've been strapped to a, a windmill and they are like going in circles. I'm sure if you just stood there and long rested constantly, like nothing would happen. He would have been technically trapped there for days. You're a monster for like effectively <laughs> doing it on purpose. But you those days, so no. they don't count. <laughs> exactly. So in that case, like I'm fairly certain like time doesn't progress like the whole world. It's just specific quests. I mean, when we talk about cheating, like the game kind of cheats in that regard and like gives you a pass, like you know, we're not going to punish you for, um, well, we're not going to punish you for using mechanics like long rest so that you're able to actually have a fight. The game doesn't punish you in that regard, which is nice because you could totally see it being like, nope, you long rested. The in-game clock went a, a, a day ahead and um, you failed these three things. You didn't even know you were going to fail. Like that does not happen. Uh, you are very clearly warned for time sensitive stuff. So uh, now you can miss out on stuff like if you progress stuff. Like if you, I had an instance where I, um, I saved the Druid camp by, by finishing the, the goblin camp and there was a specific person I had to talk to for one of my, uh, companions who I had not recruited yet. Um, that person I needed to talk to moved into the second act. So like I was locked out of like 
progressing my companion story until I got to act two. So there's okay. definitely stuff that like as you progress and the world changes, characters will move on. But I found the game is very uh, is very fair in saying like, well, that person's you know where they're going. They've moved on. They got, you know, stuck in act two. So you'll find them again. Like and I think there was even because, again, I Googled it. It's like, well, how am I supposed to do this if they've if they're gone? They've left. It's like, well, they'll be here in Act Two, yeah, and if answer, you miss them again, you don't. <laughs> yeah. you go. You keep going until you find them again. Yeah, that makes exactly. sense. Yeah, so the game's fair in that regard, and uh, it's it's balanced in a way where you can you don't feel as punished uh, for for those type of things. All right. So overall, Baldur's Gate Three, pretty neat, worth worth a look, anyways. Um, but but massive, absolutely massive. Um, but yeah, I think uh, overall, it, had I had more D&D knowledge going in, it probably wouldn't have been as um, intimidating, <laughs> shall we say. So um, I'll probably stick with it. I mean, we've got uh, Starfield we're going to be talking about next week. Um, that just came out on Game Pass, so I'll be looking at that. Although, um, <laughs> a bit of a spoiler alert maybe for next week is I, I don't get it. I don't get the appeal, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it for you guys. I watched Matt play a little bit of it and I was like, this is, and I've heard, I've heard from people that the first 15 hours of Starfield is rough. No, what? No, <laughs> yeah. don't say that. Really? That you kind of, that you have to, you have to get over that 15 hour hump and then it, it starts to get really good. And I'm like, oh man. <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to see. I'm going to try, I'm going to try my best to get to the point where people say it gets good, but <laughs> it might be a pretty negative episode next week. We'll have to see. Um, but I know a lot of people are having a lot of fun in it and it's got huge viewership on Twitch and everything else. So I'm going to at least I'm going to give it a shot and hopefully I can get through that first 15 hours before we talk next week. But um, I wanted to remind everybody that if you do like this show, if you like what we're putting together, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in like our September patron ridiculous hat did. Hi, hat. I miss you. Uh, so again, patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show. You can also go to bit.ly slash TGI extra life 2023 to support our extra life campaign. We were raising money for the children's miracle network of hospitals as we do every fall. And yes, it is here. It is starting, uh, Friday, September 15th, actually. Yes. Yeah. We're going to have, uh, well, I'm not playing, you're not playing, but Travis, <laughs> Travis is going to be playing, uh, Gotham Knights co-op. Uh, with Whirlwind, who uh, both are actually uh, big parts of the Discord. And they'll be playing co-op Gotham Knights, uh, twitch.tv slash Pixel Mountain Gaming, Friday, September 15th, starting at 8 p.m. And uh, man, I love those Batman games. I did not play Gotham Knights, so I'm going to be checking this one out because I was very curious. The game didn't get like crazy great reviews. Uh, it was, I'd say, uh, I'd say average. They rolled about a 10. Probably not a 10 out of 10, but oh, OK, I was going to say um, a 10 out of 10 is a perfect review, Ryan. What's wrong? But yes, the rolling a 10. Got yeah. it. Got it. D&D. &D. Yeah, <laughs> got it. Yep. <laughs> I know it was almost an hour ago, but uh, I'm not, not going to roll the <laughs> dice again. Sorry, Gotham Knights, but definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, bit.ly slash TGI actually 2023. We'll have more events announced soon. Game day. We'll pull Jocelyn in, of course, to play some games. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. I mean, I know my my role this year will be uh, diminished, but uh, that doesn't mean that it isn't an amazing cause that you guys should all go and check out. So thank you, Travis and Whirlwind, so much for kicking things off and streaming. I know Josh has also been doing a lot of streaming under the Gamers in Banner. So, um, yeah, our team is awesome. You guys should go and support them. And uh, yeah, I will see you for some games on game day. Uh, that brings us to the news this week. Uh, there was a Super Mario Brothers Wonder Nintendo Direct event. Now, so <laughs> Super Mario Wonder is the one where you get to turn into an elephant, which is ridiculous. Like, I mean, I know there's a lot of animals in the animal kingdom. They're never going to run out of ideas because of that. But an elephant? <laughs> what is this? What is going on? <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, everyone can turn into an elephant. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's like peach elephant and toad elephant. Like, it's not just Mario. (laughs) Everyone. Daisy. uh, (laughs) It's, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot going on. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's one of those power-ups, like, you're right, like, uh, they've done so many different power-ups, I guess. You can even be an elephant and ride poor Yoshi. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. And uh, I I also Nintendo had posted a clip. uh, I guess PAX West was recently and they had like a Nintendo Live and they they specifically put um, put uh, Elephant Mario on Yoshi and Yoshi. uh, Yoshi powered through. He was fine. (laughs) I guess they were making jokes that Yoshi's been doing squats, I guess, and has you know, really built up his legs between the last couple games. So yeah, you can turn into an elephant. Uh they they detailed like more about um the kingdom you were going to be exploring. Uh the big thing for for me, we were we were actually thinking of doing Super Mario Brothers Wonder for our Avendads event this year, thinking, "Oh, they'll do like they've done previously with 2D Mario games is do proper online co-op." Uh but they are they're not doing that. Uh Oh no. Online... Cuz I was going to say they have eight playable characters, so you yes. would think. <laughs> Yeah, I don't they didn't specifically detail it, but like there is an online mode and the way it is, is like you're not all interacting in the same level like you would with local co-op. You're all sort of playing your own instance of the level. So you're still like playing, I guess, adjacent to each other. You're not playing together. You're not with each other. Yeah, there's some interactability, like in terms of um, when you die, uh, you're the people you're playing online with can kind of revive you uh there's um you can share power-ups and stuff so there is that but it's all positive you know there's no negativity to it like you know (laughs) you can't troll your friends (laughs) can't troll your friends uh and and there's also the lack of uh positivity there like if someone's controlling yoshi you can't you know guide them through like that's all just local co-op um but yeah it's uh this game looks really good i love the 2d marios i feel like they've they've put a lot into this like it feels like there's a lot more style to it it's not just the new super mario brothers template which has been i think kind of used uh to the point where they did need to kind of move on from it so this is like an evolution of that Mm -hmm. um but yeah it looks like a lot of fun and is only is going to be out uh, october 20th which is unfortunately the same day as spider-man 2 so (laughs) Yeah, lots of games. October's stacked, so I don't I don't know, like October, of course it is. October is very very stacked. So, uh lots of things to be playing. I mean, there's lots of really cool releases coming out. I oh man. 
I'm going to be busy. <laughs> I'm <laughs> hoping busy. there's enough downtime um, that I'll, I'll get to actually try some of these things because they look really, really fun and cool. Um, there's also Nintendo also did a demo of the Switch 2. What? <laughs> Behind closed doors. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get to see it. We didn't get to see it, but it is a thing that happened. So we do know that we have um, basically games for Switch all the way through 2024. So it's not that, you know, the Switch 2 is going to come out, you know, next spring and replace the Switch or anything like that. It seems like there's uh, support for the Switch at least through the end of next year, which is good. But uh, there is officially hardware. The Switch 2 is a thing. There's been a demo that's very exciting. Yeah, and this is uh, this is sort of standard in terms of like the progression of a new Nintendo system. And whenever Nintendo has like a system that is, you know, I wouldn't say failing. I mean, you could say failing with the Wii U. They announced like <laughs> the next generation of Nintendo consoles years before they came out when the Wii U was a problem. But of course, the Switch is still doing well. They don't want to like hurt sales by announcing a new system, but there is still that like lead up time of developers needing dev kits and demonstrations and the sales pitch to develop for this new system. Cause you, you can't just have a system released without games mm-hmm. uh, or even a system just launched with one or two Nintendo games. Like that's never worked. Um, so this is a, this is the sort of the typical and normally we wouldn't include it. It's rumors. It's people talking, but I think in this case, like it is, more substantial than someone on Twitter just saying like, oh, I saw this. This is developers saying, you know, anonymously reporting that they got a demo of it. Um, And yeah, I guess there was also talk that there's like a souped up version of Breath of the Wild, more tech demo, not necessarily re-releasing the game, but uh, sort of to give developers an idea, like without Nintendo having to show off like a brand new yeah, brand new game. Yeah, without giving too much away, basically. They're like, you guys have all already seen Breath of the Wild. You know what uh, like what it can do, what it looked like. This is what it looks like on the new system. Look at the difference. <laughs> yeah, I honestly wouldn't anticipate them announcing the Switch 2 officially until after Christmas. They want as many yeah. people to buy their current hardware as they can because this is something they're targeting for late next year at least according to the rumors so um they want to get through this release schedule get through christmas buying season and and then say like okay here's the next system i would imagine probably talking about it late winter probably february march time frame and and launching you know in the fall that seems to be like the current trend for consoles but uh but yeah this is exciting news because again more talk of the of the new switch it's due up it's happening next year it's gotta happen next year it's Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think you're probably right i mean uh switch has been out for quite a while now and i mean even when switch launched innovative sure gimmick that actually worked amazing thumbs up good job nintendo but it was pretty far behind the current generation of other consoles in terms of spec at launch And that was years and years ago. So in terms of like console power, it's way behind. So they need to bring something out soon that kind of is keeping up with the Joneses is um, not so like they're never going to be on the same playing field because they do a lot of different kind of 
sometimes gim- gimmicky, sometimes innovative tech things um, that kind of take up the place of just raw power that PlayStation and Xbox kind of go for. But uh, yeah, they need to be closer than they currently are and uh, and pretty quickly, I think, so that they don't get too uh, left in the dust by uh, developers, so by third-party developers anyways. So yeah, I think that... Uh, I think you're right, Ryan. I think we're going to, that Nintendo needs to launch this probably um, holiday 2024. Yeah. Agreed. I uh, will buy one. I know you will. Surprising no one. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Uh, I mean, I really did enjoy my Switch, so I would absolutely get another one. Um, And then uh, it seems like everybody right now is putting out a uh, a handheld gaming device and Lenovo is the next one. Um, they have another like handheld PC, 700 bucks, I guess, 700 American, I'm sure, uh, gaming handheld with the touchscreen touchpad and, uh, detachable controllers. So very, very switchy, uh, speaking of (laughs) switch hardware and, uh, innovation, they do seem to have inspired quite a lot of people in the last few years. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be called the Legion Go, and it's uh, Windows-powered uh, gaming handheld. So much the same as the Ally that we talked about before and uh, the Steam Deck that Ryan has uh, has mentioned quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll keep throwing these into the news because I just find it interesting. That, I can't believe there's so many. <laughs> yeah, they, they just keep coming. And I mean, this, the Steam Deck has done well, I think, backed by the fact that Steam... And and Valve, for that matter, like owns Steam and is able to subsidize what is a very expensive piece of equipment through people having to buy games uh, on their platform. Uh, this one, uh, man, I don't want to sound mean, but this one sounds a little <laughs> more or looks a little more like Fisher Price. Like it looks a little, you know, uh, it just doesn't look as well built as the ROG Ally or the Steam Deck for that matter. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I still really yeah. want the ally. I haven't gotten it yet, but uh, just the fact that it can like run Windows, period. So you have that Xbox potential connectivity for your PC Game Pass stuff. Like, yeah, that's that's my. But it's but it's you know <laughs> makes money motion with fingers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not cheap. <laughs> yeah, so it's still on my I wish wish list. <laughs> Yeah, I would recommend the ROG Ally if you're looking for a Windows-based one. Obviously, reviews aren't out for this one. It's it's launching uh, in October. But yeah, the ROG Ally, I think, was received quite well. I know there's some folks mm-hmm. in Discord, at least one person who has one. And yeah, this one just looks... Uh, I mean, I think we're starting to get into the like, oh, I'm going to make one of these now and I'm going to make one. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Logitech... <laughs> made one i know they had that like streaming one which like came out and no one talked about after uh (laughs) which i mean playstation portal like that should have been your 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 hint uh but yeah like this one just doesn't uh, maybe it's the detachable controllers like no one's really done that because it it is a difficult thing to do you know um i think nintendo oh yeah it's very switchy yeah it's very very switch very nintendo so we'll we'll see how this one does. Obviously, I'll we'll have to wait for reviews and such, but I think it's a neat way to like set yourself apart from the other ones and having the detachable controllers and then you can like really say like, wow, this is just like the Switch, you know, but I don't do you play your Switch? I think the one time I played the Switch in tabletop mode with the Joy-Cons off was when we went to that like preview event before it launched 
and they had them set up that way for a couple games and it was like the only time i did it mm-hmm. yeah no i never do it the only time that i've ever used the joy cons like detached it was like mario party where you only sure. everyone gets their own joy con like <laughs> but i've yeah. never had it like in tabletop mode with the joy cons disconnected no that's not how i play so it's not a feature i would look for and it's a feature that you know like the more things like that that you do, the more potential fail points you're introducing, you know, like your connections between your controllers and your main like piece of kit can fail, I guess, which is yeah. something like I had one Joy-Con from my launch switch, um, the left Joy-Con, I think, which was kind of like a well-known issue would just stop like the contacts would just stop working. So, I mean, like the more fail points you have in your design, like the the more repairs you're going to need to have to do eventually, right? So I'd rather just have something with attached controllers. That's how I play anyway. And then like you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff unless you drop it and break the connection inside. <laughs> but then you dropped your system. So whose fault is that? <laughs> oh, well, that's on you. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that that's my critical thing here is like, unless you specifically want that feature, because there's competition here, there are other handheld PCs out there, you, you wouldn't buy this unless you wanted the, the detachable controllers, because yeah. in that case, you would just go get the ROG Ally or the Steam Deck, because the cost and the hardware is impacted by these unique features. Like, if they just had the you know, connectable controllers, they might have been able to bump up the CPU or the GPU based on and keep the same price. Like that's mm-hmm. where I come come at it from like a consumer with a bit of knowledge is like, well, if I don't want that, then I might as well just pay the extra hundred or whatever it is for the Rock Ally to to have like more power, uh focus on more power and and not these, you know, detachable controllers. But yeah, I'm not buying either of these because the Steam Deck, I'm very happy with the Steam Deck. It, it works quite well and I am I really enjoy it. But uh, but yeah, I, I think it's good that there's this competition happening because I, I think it will only encourage Valve to to make a second Steam Deck and and uh, and really, uh, really, really deliver on a on a follow up. Mm hmm. And then finally today, uh, the Saints Row developer via Volition <laughs> Games. Oh, man, my brain. Uh, They've been unfortunately shut down uh, after 30 years, which is a really, really long time. Um, Yeah, and it was immediate, too. Not even like, you know, we're going to continue working and over the next six, 12 months, whatever, put this game out and then go. Nope, just, you know, 30 years. Thanks for the memories. We're closed. Crazy. Mm hmm. Yeah, and this is a week after uh, PlayStation announced that uh, Saints Row, the last game that Volition made, was going to be part of PlayStation Plus. was not like received super well, but you know, a really great option for PlayStation Plus in terms of like their base offering. But uh, but yeah, Volition, I, I really enjoyed like their earlier Saints Row games. Like I think three and four really hit really well with with everyone who played it, but. Um, we were kind of talking about it in discord and I think like whirlwind specifically had mentioned like, well, they haven't really had like that same, you know, surefire hit since Saint like in the last 10 years. Cause they had a couple mm-hmm. of, a uh, couple of duds that didn't really land. And I think the saints row reboot was their chance to kind of like really, you know, come back. But, uh, but yeah, they were purchased by embracer embracer had that huge 
deal fall through, which required them to kind of like look at all their studios. So like the Embracer studios have really been impacted by that. And like, this is, well, this is immediate, as you said, immediate and a complete shutdown of a developer that's Mm -hmm. been active for 30 years. Like that's, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. And it goes back to like, if you're going to be an investment type company and like look to buy up all these developers, there's a reason people are wary about acquisitions because they worry like, okay, are we going to EA this thing where you buy us, you make (laughs) one game and then you shut us down. Like, it's um, it's frustrating, you know, because uh, there are fans out there that love Volition games, and like, you know, we're not gonna see we're not gonna see another one of those in, for a while. Like, I'm sure developers will, there will be like, you know, from the makers of Saints Row or uh, you know, past developers of Volition form X Studio, we'll we'll see those announcements for sure, a hundred percent. But um, yeah, it's just it. This is a this is a scenario where like buying a bunch of studios and counting on deals that can fall through like it's it's um it's tough it, and it sucks because this is not the uh, this is not also the first time Volitions had to go through this because they were part of THQ yeah uh, when they got shut down so like <laughs> they've been through a a rocky period for the last couple decades yeah absolutely so uh, yeah no more uh, no more. Maybe no more Saints Row. <laughs> Probably no more Saints Row games. Um, but yeah, it's really unfortunate. You always hate to see it. So uh, good luck to everybody who, I mean, I'm sure the, they shut a developer. So there's going to be people looking for jobs. So good luck to everybody who's involved in this. It's a really shitty situation. But uh, yeah, we'll give you more news as we get it, if we get it. And uh, that's going to do it for us this week. If you'd like to join the conversation or get people to tell you how to play Baldur's Gate 3, go to bit.ly slash TTI Discord. Um, That is where you can find our online community. There's a whole bunch of really awesome people over there. So go and check it out. You can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com or follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn and Joss Plays, Ryan is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show, The Gamers In. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.